0: You're listening to Light Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Um, we are uh, talking about miracles, <laughs> and um, we we uh, laid a foundation for you last week in that we uh, we said that we are a church that fully believes in miracles. That miracles happen today; that they have not ceased to exist. We believe in them, and we want to create a culture of expectation. We want to have a culture in this church where we are expecting God to move and we are expecting God to do some amazing things uh, in the realm of the miraculous, okay? And so uh, as we do that, we're going to, to sort of lay out some of these different miracles for you and unpack them a little bit and talk to you about them and see what we might be able to learn from the various miracles. And so I want to do that today. I want to begin with uh, one of what I think is maybe one of the the very familiar miracles to us, and uh, that is the great catch of fish. And so I'm going to take you into Luke's Gospel, chapter uh, 5, and um, I'm going to uh, begin reading there at verse 1, and I'm going to take you through the first 11 verses of this uh, chapter, and uh, then we'll see what God has to say to us, okay? One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Now, last week we talked about how that... uh, there is great purpose in every miracle. The miracles have great purpose in them, and uh, we want to be able to see what the purpose of miracles are and what God is doing as Jesus performs these particular miracles throughout uh, the, the, the Gospels. Uh, so this morning, I want to I try to take this miracle, and I want to make some personal application for each one of us as we go through it. The first thing I'd like to do is just sort of recap it in, in a little bit and, and, and kind of uh, maybe explain it a, a little bit in, in detail here, give you some background maybe. Uh, and then I'd like to look at maybe three particular things that I think we can pull from this particular miracle this morning. Jesus is gathering disciples, all right? This is what he is about doing as we read this, this miracle and, it, and as it takes place. And it wasn't unusual in this particular time or this particular setting. It's a very Jewish setting. It's, it's, a, it's a wonderful time. Many rabbis would gather uh, students around them and they would teach them from the Torah. Uh, so it wasn't unusual for someone to be out teaching uh, a, a group of people. But the difference here is the kind of disciples I think that Jesus is gathering. And I, I think that they are a bit unusual to what would have been experienced prior to Jesus. These are not theological individuals, these are not theological professionals, if you will. These are fishermen. These are tax collectors. These are are former revolutionaries, if you will, all right? They're just plain old sinners that are making up this particular community. And Jesus begins here to sort of like launch them out on this journey with God here. He really begins to, to do some things that really brings the people into connection with God, All right? And so I, I want us to get a lesson from this today um, that God, when he begins to work, he is not, he's not waiting for or looking for or expecting that everybody's going to be perfect and everybody's going to be very theologically set and all those kinds of things, all right? The lesson I think we need to understand here is that God is calling us all. God calls all of us and he is, he is trying to put this call of his with inside of us it is his desire that we connect with him and that we engage with him and so we as the people who need God need to be able to trust God and and let him do this very gracious work that he wants to do in transforming our lives. And it is the grace of God that does this. You and I don't deserve it. And, and it's not something that you and I are capable of doing on our own. And yet, God comes along and he begins to to work in our lives. And there are, there are a variety of like call scenes, if you will, where God has called someone to him. And we see this with the various disciples here. And in, in, in this particular section of scripture, he's kind of, kind of showing us what the nature of this this new community of believers is going to be like. And folks, it doesn't shun the sinners. This this community that Jesus is calling people to, it it invites them in. It it allows them to meet with God and receive healing and and to receive forgiveness. Even the miracles that we see here... Uh, they, they, they identify Jesus and he, he therefore then identifies with the, with the people. They, they open eyes. The, the miracles allow people to see Jesus in a, in a deeper way and in and, 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 and a more dynamic experience. Here's the thing about Jesus is that he attracts people that are needy. Jesus doesn't attract perfect people. And we all know that perfect people really aren't perfect. They think they are. But because they think they are, they don't think they need him. Or any help, or that or they have any, any need, because they are perfect. But the people that Jesus is attracting, the people that are on the side around this lake, and who are waiting to hear something from this teacher, from this, 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 this rabbi, if you will, so to speak, they are realizing that there is some need in their lives and, and they, they understand they're not perfect. And Jesus is coming along and, and he's teaching and he's doing these, these miracles and this one is very powerful in what it speaks to the people, what it says to, to these men who are, who are trying to figure out how they are supposed to follow him. Jesus has already healed Peter's, uh, Peter's mom and and he's, he's done some stuff around them and they've heard him teach already and now he's out here on, on the side of this lake and now these people are gathering around him in, in large crowds. They're looking for something, they're expecting something and so Jesus needs to speak to them and, and he, he notices the boats and he notices one in particular which happens to be Simon Peter's boat and so he says, hey, and Simon Peter's over there and, and these, these who have, have sort of uh, you know, touched elbows or rubbed elbows, as you say, with Jesus a little bit here already. They, they, are, they are there. Simon's just working, cleaning his nets. They have, the Bible here says that they fished all night. They went out in the night and they fished. They dropped their nets and rolled them in and dropped their nets and rolled them in and dropped their nets and rolled them in and they caught nothing. But here they are now and they're tired and they're cleaning their nets and these people are all gathering around and they're there and they're looking to Jesus. And the people are looking to Jesus. And Jesus says to Simon, he says, hey, let the boat go out a little bit. He gets in the boat and Peter lets the boat go out. Peter has no problem obeying him. Peter actually calls him master. He has no problem seeing him as one of authority. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you out. He obliges him and he lets the boat out a little ways and it's a, sort of like a natural amphitheater then at that point the, the water carries his voice in all the people can hear him well it's really quite a smart move creative move on the part of Jesus and he begins to talk to the people and teach them now here comes some of the amazing things he teaches and when he's done he pulls back in and he talks to Peter, and he instructs Peter. He says, and Peter, get in the boat. Did you catch anything? We didn't catch anything. Something like that. He knows, Jesus knows there's no fish around. There's no fish, everybody knows there's no fish. Everybody there knows that these fishermen didn't catch any fish because there's no fish. Now, that's, that's a very... Would you want to come home with no fish, Pastor? If you're a visitor today, this is Pastor Dave St. Graven. He is a fisherman. He, I mean, he likes to fish a lot. Uh, the thing is, though, he does not like to come home empty-handed. You know, he would not like to come home and look at Jen, and she's got the frying pan hot, and, and it's waiting, and she's expecting to cook some fish and, and feed Liv and Jada, and he has to come home, and he doesn't have anything. And that's, not a good, that's not a good moment in the St. Graven household. All right. This wasn't a good moment for the fishermen. All these people are gathering around. I, and, and, you know, I try to think, what would Peter be thinking? What would he think like? And I, I, my hunch is Peter would be thinking, great, all these people show up here today. The one day I don't catch any fish, they all show up. You know, my reputation is gone. It's sunk. I'm not a good fisherman. And so he's there. And the other fishermen are there. And they're cleaning their nets. And Jesus tells them this. And, he, and now... they they obey Jesus and and they they let him go out in the boat and let him talk to the people and teach and all of that. And then he comes back in and now he says, now here's what I want you guys to do. You get back in your boat, Peter, and go back out there and drop your nets over on the other side. Peter says, well, Lord, we fished all night. We didn't catch anything. We we didn't catch a." And Jesus is standing there. He's already told him what to do. And he has been recognized by Peter as master. And so Peter says, we toiled all night. We didn't catch anything. Nevertheless, because you say so, I will do this. I will do this. And so he gets in his boat, and he goes back out, and they cast the net over and they reel the net in, and as they 're reeling the net in, they start to realize, they begin to realize i, I, I 'm not much of a fisherman, but I, my father was a fisherman, and I 've hung around fishermen uh, on occasions and, and i 'm quite amazed because the fishermen when they, when they start to catch a fish, they lose sight that there is anything else in the entire world. there is nothing. I mean, once that fish is on the hook, there is nothing else in the world that matters to them because they have a fish. And so, I mean, you could, you could talk to them all day long. You know, you could say anything to them, all right? And they wouldn't hear you because they have a fish, all right? And then there's another amazing thing that happens. I would see this in my dad. I've seen it uh, in, in Pastor Dave's uh, countenance just when he even talks about it, all right? But there's a moment for a fisherman when they realize that this is this is, this is more than they thought. This is like, this is it. This is a big one. This is a big one. I have a fish on my line. And, and I mean, then atom bombs could drop around them. They're not moving. They're not going anywhere. This man has almost been struck by lightning for the sake of fishing. They just don't move. They're there. They're planted. They're planted. And I, 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 would, I would bet that these fishermen, as they reeled in these nets and they began to feel how they got so taunt, they understood that, oh my goodness, there's a lot of fish in here. And so they began to bring them in, and they're, they're putting these fish in the boat. So much so that the Bible says the boat begins to sink almost. It is, it is about to sink, all right? And as this happens, it requires them to do something that a fisherman would never do. Share their spot with someone else. Let someone else in on the place where they're catching the fish. And so they call for the other boat to come over and that boat lets its nets down and it catches equally a large amount of fish to the point that that boat is about to sink and they come in with their catch. And when they do, this amazing thing happens in Peter. I love Peter. He is, I, I just love the way God just shifts this man and, and his experience with Jesus just, just moves him in such ways. And he just like falls. He is on his face before Jesus and he says to him, he says, you need to get away from me. I'm not, I'm not clean. I'm not worthy of you being here. Just depart. And Jesus speaks to them and he says to these men, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I just love how Jesus just can come into any circumstance, any situation, and he can just, he can just diffuse any fear, any anxiety, any, anything that the enemy is trying to, to, to work through. You know, And he says, don't be afraid. And he says, now, now, you're going to become fishers of men. Now, you're going to catch men. All right? So that's the, that's the story, if you will, all right? So let's now, let's go into that story a little bit and let's look at it for a few minutes, all right? And I want to tell you that I think that this is a point where Jesus really calls into these men's lives and, and asks for them something, he demands, if you will, something more from them than, uh, than what even they would have expected. And I think that we can learn from that as well. And I think he uses the miracle in such a powerful way uh, in in this process of calling these men to him, all right? And so the first thing I want to say to you that I think we need to learn from this is that that this kind of call from God, this this call that Jesus makes upon these men, and I realize that he's calling these men in particular to ministry, uh, to to establish and build the church in the New Testament, but I think he calls all of us to be disciples and to build his church in the earth. So I realize that these men are called to some very specific things uh, that they are are going to do, but I believe we're all called to build the church. And so I want to ask you today to look at this and make some application for yourself here. I believe there comes a point in our lives where God demands a greater commitment from us. All right, I believe he just demands a greater commitment from us. I believe that, that Peter understood that, that he needed to follow Jesus in some sense. But Jesus says to him, I, I want you to take me out there and let me teach these people. And then he comes back in and then he says, now I want you to go out there and I want you to cast your nets. Go out into the deep water. All right. He's asking this man to do something that requires some level of trust and commitment that I think is quite deep, all right? And I wanna, I'm just playing with that word a little bit, deep, all right? I believe there is a, a, a deeper or a greater commitment wow. that Jesus is trying to get. He's trying to pull it out of these men here, all right? And I wanna challenge you and I, because I think sometimes we hear the call of God, and we hear God calling to us to launch out deeper, to go deeper with him, to go, go further with him, and, and when he does that, we are tempted to compromise our obedience to him. Just as I think we see Peter struggling here with this. Lord, I've already been fishing. And here's the amazing thing about this particular situation is you've got a carpenter telling a fisherman now how to fish. That's like me telling Pastor Dave, let me show you how to fish. Let me, let me tell you what to do when I don't know what to do. But Jesus says, Peter, this is what you need to do, and you'll catch the fish, all right? So you need to go out, and you need, you need to launch in deeper, deeper waters. And so, and you've got to understand here, Peter, is a, he's, a, he's not just a fisherman. He's a, he's a veteran fisherman, all right? And, and let's try to, to paint the picture a little bit here. I would dare say that there were friends of Peter, co-workers of Peter who were saying, Peter, you're not going to do that, are you? Are you really going to do that? Why would you go back out there? You've been out there all night. And then some other friend who chimes in and says, Peter, he's crazy. Don't do it. You already washed your nets, for crying out loud. If you go back out there again, you've got to do everything all over again. You have to wash all your nets again and clean up the, the boats and everything again. Don't do it. There's something in Peter that he knows that he has to do this. And so he obeys, all right? We're tempted, folks. We are tempted to be guided by the voices around us and the voice of the world instead of what God says, oftentimes. And I I dare say that there's, there are many of us who we will be told from time to time, oh sure, go to church, you know, do what you want to do, just don't be fanatical about it, just don't get crazy, just don't get wild. And I want to challenge that thinking for you and I as we create this culture for the miraculous to happen. I'm not saying go crazy, but I'm saying let's obey God. Let's do whatever it is God is saying for us to do. And let's, let's, block out those voices of the world that says oh you shouldn't do that oh don't don't do that you know that that doesn't make sense that that isn't logical God isn't always logical in what he asks of us and what he calls us to do it didn't make sense to Peter that he would go out after he had been out all night this wasn't the fish were not there he'd already found that out and everything that he knows about fishing, all right, is, is going on inside of his head and inside of his heart. He's the one who's the professional about this, all right? And he can't see here any way, all right, that, that what Jesus is asking him to do is going to work. But the Lord is asking Peter here in this passage to do something that is contrary to his experience. Contrary to what he has known in the past. Contrary to what is familiar to him. God is, not always, God is not going to allow you to always stay in familiar territory. God is not going to always allow you to stay where you're comfortable, where it's easy for you. God is not always going to come through in the way that you in particular would expect him to or would desire for him to. And he's in effect asking Simon Peter to try again even though he failed the night before. And I would challenge some of you, there may be some places where you have previously failed or you didn't, it didn't work the way you thought it would or you didn't get the results you thought you would have gotten, but maybe God is telling you to do it again. God wants you to do it one more time. And I think this is an important lesson for Peter for the future because I think it's going to help him to not to allow past failures to keep him from serving God and we're going to see that as we get further along. We're tempted to, to be guided by our circumstances instead of what God says. And I want to challenge us today as we work and toil in this vineyard that God has given to us, that we not live out of our circumstances, that we not live out of what we have been experiencing before. Because Simon's answer to him is, we toiled all night and we caught nothing. But I'm going to do what you say. And and, and this reply that that Peter gives sort of communicates that, that, you know, hey, me and my partners, we're dog-tired. That word used for toil there, that, that means really hard work. What Peter is saying is, is, Jesus, we worked really hard. We worked really hard. And please understand, I've heard some, some of you, some of you have come to me and said, said the same sort of thing uh, to me, and I said it to you. I'm like, man, we worked hard. That, that was really hard. And sometimes we got some good results, and sometimes we didn't get some good results. But the point is, is that we don't give up. We do, we do what God is telling us to do. Because sometimes, see, we are tempted to be guided by our fears instead of what God says to us. The fear of failure or the fear of, of not being able to, to get it done or the fear of what someone else is going to think. I mean, I don't know what Peter thought exactly. I, I can't speak for him that way. But I can tell you, as, as, as a man and as, as a human being, if I were a fisherman by trade, if that was my living if that was what everybody knew me as and I'm out there and all these people are gathering around and I went all night and the village knew that I was one of the fishermen who fished all night and I came in and there was not one single fish out there I would that would bother me that would would really bother me I would be worried about what people are thinking and now Jesus comes over and says to me He's not, he's not out there in the boat anymore, and everybody's hearing him, but he just says to me, hey, go back out there and drop your net in the deep water. What? Come on. There's some of you in here today, and you are afraid that God is going to embarrass you in front of someone else. That is something that is in your heart that God will embarrass you in front of someone. And God is saying, I just want you to trust me. I want you to trust me. So I want to ask you this question before we we go any further here. What is fear keeping you from doing for God? Here's another question. What What is doubt keeping you from doing for God? Now, you can put other words in that question as well. How how does Jesus take us from where we are to where he wants us to be? What does he do to get us from from this place we're at to the place that that he wants us to be or that we need to be in him? I, I think there's only one answer to that question. He pushes us. He moves us. He he does what he needs to do to to get us there. But I believe that that he, he pushes. And I think he's pushing Peter right now. I think he's really pushing Peter. Peter, go out there and drop your nets. But you don't understand. You're not a fisherman. If Jesus had been talking to Peter about spiritual things, Peter might have been more inclined to just go along. But see, this is what Peter knows how to do. How many of us are willing to to trust Jesus in some simple spiritual truths? But when it comes to our day-to-day lives that we know best about, that we want want to take the reins, we want to make the decisions, we we want to do it our way because we trust our own human judgment more and somehow believe that that is safer than trusting and obeying God. And perhaps here today, you are sitting here and you're thinking, wow, you know, I've done it my own way and and I'm quite empty. Then look at this story, because when they did it God's way, when they obeyed God, they harvested their catch. Now, if you research a little bit, very likely these boats were probably about seven and a half feet wide and over about 20 feet long, and they both are filled with enough fish to start to sink them. Folks, that's a lot of fish. It's a whole lot of fish. So when these boats come in, there's some impact. This is, this is dramatic. This is dynamic. This is amazing, all right? This is, this is miraculous. God has, God has performed a miracle through his son, Jesus Christ. He went out there. It wasn't just that Jesus was smart enough to know where the fish were. You just don't get this kind of catch. This isn't heard of. You, this doesn't happen. Not, not that a, a boat gets so many fish that it starts to sink, and then it calls another boat, and they get equally as many fish, and they start to sink. And it just happens to be in the spot where Jesus told them to go and drop the net. And it just happens to be after they have fished all night and didn't catch anything. And any good fisherman will tell you, when the sun is coming down heavy over the water, you're not likely going to catch any fish. Because it scares them away. And then Peter says, Lord. A little bit before, Jesus had called him Lord or Master. That would have been in verse 5. This is a different word used here. This word means God. It's more like God. Something way more is heavier. It has a deeper, deeper sense to it. And, And here's what I want you to understand. Not only will God call you to commitment, but I believe that God will and is calling us, is giving us an invitation as his church to a greater level of intimacy. And by that, I mean that 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 is intimacy from our perspective, not just from God's perspective. I I believe that when Simon Peter fell here, he's saying, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, Lord. And this request seems so strange to you and I, if we just take it for face, face value here. Um, that Jesus, Jesus, he wanted Jesus to leave. I don't believe that he really wanted Jesus to leave. I, I think here that we have, a, we have a, a story, we have a scene here where, where light has come. There's a revelation here. There's a, there's, a, there's a sense of the power and the glory of Jesus that has been given to Peter that he did not have before. And because of that, he has this very acute sense of his own sinfulness Suddenly, he gets a revelation of Jesus like he's never got. And that revelation of Jesus gives him this revelation of himself. And so now he has this sense of himself that he is a very sinful man. And so he's like, you need to depart. we, We can't be together because I am so sinful. But Peter's not really trying to get rid of Jesus here. He's simply overcome with this sense of his unworthiness. And so when he calls Jesus Lord, it, it's just it's entirely different now. It, it, he's saying, oh, you are the Son of God. That's what we're talking about when we talk about miracles. Miracles bring a deeper revelation. They bring a deeper understanding. They draw us to this Jesus as the Son of God. And Peter's reaction is what we often see in the Bible from man's perspective or man's reaction to some kind of face-to-face confrontation with with God or or God's representative. When when Isaiah saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up, he says, woe is me for I am undone. Job has the same kind of experience. He says, I heard of you by the hearing of the ear. Now I see you with my eyes, therefore I am. And this is what Job says, I abhor, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And John, when he saw him in the book of Revelation, said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as a dead man. Folks, in this miracle, Jesus just took Peter and said, come here. I want you to to get close to me. I want you to understand that I am the son of God. I want you to understand that I'm calling you. I want you to understand the level of intimacy with me that will allow you to follow me. And and here's the beauty. He knows what's going to happen as time goes by. He knows what's going to happen. and He's calling. The calling of God is without repentance. The calling of God is without remorse. The calling of God is without any hesitation. The calling of God is a call from God, and it is eternally permanent. He knew Peter would deny him, but he is making himself known. He is revealing himself to Peter. And Peter's beginning to understand that he is the Son of God. And Peter's saying, hey, I am so unclean. And I'm going to tell you something, when you are introduced to the power and the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ, at least at first, you're going to become immensely aware of your own sin. You're not going to know what to do and you're going to want to escape from his presence. Simon says, Jesus, just leave me, not because he doesn't want to be in his presence, but because he just feels so unworthy of being there. But here's what I want you to understand. As your experience deepens with Jesus, as you gain knowledge that it's only in Him that you can experience forgiveness, it's only in Him that you can have eternal life, it begins to draw you. What in that initial encounter makes you feel as though you can't face Him, you can't be in His presence, suddenly that love overwhelms you and it begins to draw you in. And through intimacy you find forgiveness from your sin. And you can be fully restored. And Jesus says, just don't be afraid. You know, I remember, I remember hearing pastors preach when I was little. And I remember Sunday school teachers. And I, I, I got this idea that God is just this like unbelievable voice, you know. And, and that Jesus is sort of like the extension of that voice. And so whenever, whenever I would read passages like this, I would, I would get this imagery in my own head. And it was just foolishness. It was just crazy. But, but I, I, I couldn't see Jesus as, as my older brother. I couldn't see him as the son. I couldn't, I couldn't see any of his human side at all. I just, it's just like I had this fear of, of, of this wrong image of God and this wrong image of Father even, you know, and so I, I would read this and I would, I would hear things and, and I would see it in my head and it would be like, Fear not! And I'd be like, Ah! You know, and I would want to run. That's not the way it is. Jesus is out by the lake. He got in the boat with Peter. I'm going to tell you something. Let me get real simple here for a minute. Jesus will get in your boat. Jesus wants to get in the boat with you. This is is what Jesus is all about. He wants to call you. He doesn't want to message you on Facebook. He doesn't want to text you a message. He does not even want to call you on your cell phone. It doesn't matter what you got, Apple or whatever. It does not interest him. You are the apple of his eye. He wants an encounter with you. He wants to get in there, and he calls you. And he says, fear not. It's as loving a message as a man can hear. The last thing Jesus wants to do is to scare the liver out of anybody. He loves you, but he doesn't want you to stay where you are. And so he comes and he demonstrates this, this amazing dimension of himself. He is the Son of God who takes away sin. And he reveals himself. And out of that, he calls you and I. Peter would tell you, you ain't going to catch a any fish. Anybody going out there putting out a boat, Peter's coming going, oh, idiot. Uh, that's Peter. They're stupid. They're not going to catch anything. Uh, let's just let them go. Let's, let's let them go out there. Let's just you know. Now, Jesus is saying, well, Peter, you go out there. I don't want to be made a fool of. I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't, don't want to be put on the spot like that. Peter, just go and let your net down. You'll, you'll catch the fish. after the resurrection, in John 21, deeply anguished because he did not, or because he denied Christ, he did not stay with Christ. Peter went back to his old haunts. (laughs) He went back to his old fishing spots. If I thought Pastor Dave was in any way um, Sad or depressed or not happy. And someone came by and said, where's Pastor Dave? I said, I would say, well, have you checked his favorite fishing spot? Because that's probably where you would go. Because he'd want to be alone and he'd want to think and he'd want to fish. Because for him, that's therapy. It's weird. It must work. Peter went back to his old haunts, you know. Jesus comes and he yells to the guys up on the the boat. He's up on the shore. He says, hey, you catch any fish? Sound familiar? Peter, did you catch anything? No, I haven't caught anything. Put your net out on the other side, you'll catch something. They put the net out, and the Bible says they caught a catch that just about made the nets break. My goodness, it's almost like a repeat story, isn't it? And one of them gets it. I mean, they don't say it here, but i got to believe there was a little like, oh, man, this is deja vu. (laughs) We've been there before. But instead he says, As Peter gets his row back on, he jumps out of the boat. He doesn't even wait for the boat to get there, and he gets to the shore. He's standing there dripping wet, but he's right before Jesus. He's standing right in front of Jesus. This is Peter who said, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinner. He had found intimacy. Through the forgiveness of sin and his relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to challenge you that you you understand today that the miracles miracles are not here just so you feel good. The miracles are not here so you get a good catch of fish to eat. The miracles are not, not here just so you can be happy. The miracles are here to challenge you to a deeper commitment that will in turn bring you into a much deeper level of intimacy with the Lord. And ultimately, it will bring you to a new way of life. They were astonished at this catch of fish. Not only Peter, but James and John, the sons of Zebedee, their boat came. The amazing thing here is that God really shifts these men. Now this word catch used here is translated better as to catch alive. You're going to be catching men. Verse 9, 10, and 11, there he starts to talk about this. These boys get all these fish in. And he says, don't be afraid, you're going to, catch men catch them alive not like I mean the same word is used for someone who would catch an animal for the zoo catch an animal alive to be looked at I not you understand this is not about catching catching people to look at this is about fulfilling the great commission As we said, every miracle has its purpose, and this one is no exception. Peter now sees Jesus here, I believe, in an entirely different light. Jesus is Lord. He is a sinful man. But he now confesses himself as a sinner, and he now testifies of the greatness of the Lord. He is not afraid, and he is is going to become a fisher of men. This is what Jesus, this is the destiny that Jesus has for them. This is what Jesus says is going to happen. You will be a fisher of men. You will catch men alive. Now, here's the amazing thing, is that they pulled these boats up to shore as Jesus was talking to them. They they got these boats up to shore. This is the biggest catch in the history of their lives, maybe in the history of the community There are more fish there than anybody knows what to do with. It is absolutely amazing. All these people on the side probably are just going hysterical. They're just jumping up and down. They're going crazy. Can you believe this? You know, this this is a miracle. This is amazing. And it says that they immediately left. No fisherman leaves his big catch. It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. This is amazing. Pastor Dave will give you some fish, but he's not going to give you the fish that he put on his wall in my office. (laughs) He stuffed that one and hung it up there to remember. It's The big one. That's the trophy. That's the prize. I get to look at it every day. They just, they left, they suddenly see the circumstances, even though they were wonderful, paled in comparison to what God was calling them to. And they just left it. Now, I know, I, I understand. There were people there and people that worked with them, who could handle taking care of the fish, and the fish didn't go to waste, and the fish were used, and all of that kind of stuff. But what I want you to understand is that it is implicit here. They left this fishing. Fishermen are kind of like gamblers. They fish even if they don't get anything. And they'll go back and fish again even if they don't get anything. And they'll keep fishing. Because they always believe they're going to get something. And if they get a big one, then they're, they're going to go right back. They really want to fish some more because they got the big one. Everything in the flesh of these men would say, oh, look at this. Now we're going to be the best fishermen in the world. The whole world is going to talk about us. We're going to catch so many fish. We're going to have an empire for fishing. It's going to be unbelievable. Look what we can do now. Now that Jesus is on our side. No, no, they understood. They understood that this was was something way more. This is something way bigger, all right? Some of you will go far away and fish. Some of you will stay at home and fish. These men followed Jesus. They left fishing to fish for men. Some of you will do it bivocationally. Some of you will do it because it's the sole calling that God has upon your life. What is, what is our response? This, this morning, I think God is coming to us and he is calling us. He is calling you me, he's calling us, but he's calling you. I think he's calling you by name, individually. And I think for some of you, you already know what he wants you to do. Some of you, maybe you don't, but he is calling you today. He is calling you into service for the kingdom, all right? It's not that he's just calling someone, but he is calling you. He's calling you for a larger destiny than you have known Prior to this time. And maybe somewhere deep down you knew it, but it just hasn't materialized in some way. But now it's becoming more clear to you that there is something that you need to do. We are all called to make disciples. We're all to go into this world. I believe all of you are called to be fishers of men. I believe that is the calling of God upon your life. In some way, in some capacity, you can join in in this work of being fishers of men. Men, I think we can all do that. I hear Pastor Dave on the phone sometimes, like, we'll be doing something, and, and I'm sorry I'm picking on you so much, but this is a sermon about fishing, and a miracle about fishing, and you are, you are perfect to pick on. But sometimes, I, I, I'll, I'll be working at my desk, and all of a sudden, I realize that Pastor Dave is on the phone. Now, Pastor Dave is is a little bit unique. He walks around when he talks on the phone. So if you're ever talking to Pastor Dave and you're sitting somewhere in a chair and you're just sitting there in this conversation, just visualize that the man on the other end of the phone, he is walking around all the time. He is just talking away and he is in this room or in the kitchen or anywhere and he's talking. Sometimes I hear him and he is on the phone and this is what I hear. Hey, bro. So, where are the fishes biting? Or he will say... Uh, maybe he'll call his brother Dan 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 the man you need to be out there at Vermilion figuring out where they're biting I know it's raining I know it's cold but Dan you need to be out there you're a, you're a single man get out there and figure out where the fish are biting a fisherman if he is going to fish is going to want to know where he can catch fish He's going to want to know where they are biting. Where where can he get them? Not only that, Joy Dawson takes it a step further. I, I, I don't know if Joy Dawson is still alive or not, but Joy Dawson is one. She has some of the greatest teachings on evangelizing that just can stir you up and get you on fire. But she says, oh, don't just go fishing. You need to go fishing for the big fish. Don't settle for catching little fish. Go where the big fish are. Catch a big fish. And someone asked her, said, You know, what, what, is, what is a big fish in your estimation? And she said, Someone of influence. Someone who has any kind of influence. She said, If someone has influence, go after them. If you, if you meet someone in the supermarket or on the, on, in a restaurant or on the street, she said, uh, Just begin to talk to them. If they're a teacher or, or an instructor or a professor, win them to Jesus because they have great influence. Hang around people who are political, they have great influence. Hang around a mom. She says, I look for moms with lots of children. They have more influence. (laughs) What is she saying? She's saying that what you do has a ripple effect. Twelve men called by Jesus by themselves could not turn the world upside down. But when each of them won one, and that one won one, and another won another, Turned the world upside down. So, as God begins to perform miracles among us, the intent is not to run you away. It's not for you to look at that and say, Oh, wretched am I. But it is for you to realize that He is the Son of God. He takes away the sin of the world, He has cleansed you from your sin. And the purpose of that is that He might then call you in some capacity. And that calling is yours, and it is irrevocable. It is with you. You cannot get away from it. You cannot run from it. And so whatever that call is that God has upon your life, he wants now through intimacy and relationship with him to establish that and allow it to flourish. And as it flourishes, God will use you in great and